Good morning. And thank you for joining this morning. Practice of being aware of awareness. And as we begin this morning, perhaps we just notice awareness is here, soaking up the sounds, the light, the feel of the body against whatever it's leaning against, whatever taste is in the mouth or lack of taste whatever scent is in the air, or the awareness that there's really no scent in particular that can be detected. We just allow attention to fall back onto the awareness that's here. And just give the fullness of that attention to what it's aware of. We can notice we need do nothing. Awareness is just on. It's active. It's alert and perceptive. And no matter what awareness is aware of, maybe lots of thoughts this morning or kind of a heaviness in the body or some certain physical sensations. Awareness is what goes to that, so to speak, knows that. No thought thinks itself and no feeling feels itself. Whatever the objects are that are populating our consciousness, we're just allowing it to be noticed that that is the content of our awareness. They are the clouds, and in this analogy, we are the sky. And we can notice from the perspective of the sky, just how many clouds there are or aren't. The fact that they come and stay for a while. But eventually every cloud that has ever come is left. Just like every thought that has ever come 
has at some point just dissolved back out of awareness. Every feeling that's ever come to the body. And this is why it is said that these things aren't real. I mean, they're not trying to gaslight us. They're just saying that they're temporary. They're not always here and they're not always in the same state and condition in all time and all place. So the clouds come and go. But the awareness in which they arise is what we call reality, the real, the changeless. So you could say what we are in a relative sense is a collection of sensations and thoughts and feelings, and circumstances. But in the essential sense, in that which is our essence, there is only one component that is always present. And that's the knowingness, the knowingness of the clouds, of the temporary forms that arise in consciousness. There's another aspect of awareness. which is an awareness of itself. We know that we are. We know that we exist. We don't go to mind and, and think about it. It's not something that we're taught and therefore that we could forget. We don't go through any other source or substance for that knowledge. That's why the I am presence is considered true knowledge with a capital K, because it's a direct knowing. I am, you are, we are.
So as the thoughts come in, the practice is to see them as a thought. Can we see them as a thought? Is that available before we get kind of absorbed into it? So there's kind of progressive fields of realization. And the first is when a thought comes in and we're just completely identified with it. You know, I am hungry. Like hunger is what I am. I am angry. Anger is what I am. I am jealous. I am fearful. I am tired. You know, I don't feel tiredness, I am tired. So it's the complete identification with form. You know, I am the body, I am the content of my mind. And as that shifts, I shift. And it's a very changeful, unstable, fearful, anxious place when the only field of realization that's available is the realization of form. So just one step back from that is, is when we notice that something registers the form, something registers the thought, something registers the feeling the mood, the emotion. It pulls you back from identification with the content. And you notice that something's registering this cloud, this form, this content. And then the next step back is, is a recognition. Something recognizes that there's this ongoing registering of form. Something recognizes this. Yes, forms are being registered. Feelings are being registered. Sounds are being registered. All the input from the sense perceptions are being registered. There's a recognition that registering, that capacity to know. And from there, there's in this progressive field of realization, there's there's the, the watcher or the experiencer. We're, we're experiencing the recognition that something continually registers form. Something watches that process. 
Something knows that process. Something experiences the process of recognizing the registering of form. It's a great relief to, to, to have the perspective shift back to the watcher, the experiencer. There's, a, there's more freedom, there's more flow, there's more allowing. There's less fear and less being threatened, less, less of a claustrophobic feeling of being trapped in some perceptual maze that does not announce itself as a perceptual maze as perception or maze it just seems like it is that way so when we're watching or experiencing the recognition that something keeps registering form there's this ability to to be with it So the next level back in these progressive fields of realization. And this is Dr. Hawkins' iteration. So these are his, his labels. Everyone can use these words interchangeably to point to a different level or merge different levels. But for him, the next level back from the watcher experiencer is this field of awareness. We realize there's awareness of the watcher experiencer. Something sees that there's this experiencer. Something sees that watching's what's happening. So there's awareness that watching's ongoing, noticing this 
recognition that objects are registered, the forms are known, seen. So when we're realizing that there's an awareness of the watcher experiencer, oftentimes there's a further relaxation back. So it's a wider birth of a view. We can notice when identification uh, to a thought is, is underway and, and it's much easier to let it go because it's seen and it's felt. It's, it's registering immediately, it's recognized and there's something watching that and the awareness of it. It's like that, it's like a relaxer. It just lets it all kind of dissolve. There's a broadness to it, a spaciousness. And the level the field of realization further back from awareness, Dr. Hawkins calls the observer and the witness. That's when we start to realize that these are impersonal. We are not observing or witnessing. There's this impersonal witnessing going on. it's seen that there's no you as a witness. It's happening on its own. And we often uh, point to this level by asking if 
it feels like there's a you that's doing the witnessing. Try to stop it right now. Just, just push pause on the witnessing. Just hit that kill switch. And what we see is this observer witnesses, this observer witness can't be a me because I can't stop it. I do not have dominion and control over this observing, this witnessing. It's just happening all on its own. Once it's really seen and, and known, realized, confirmed again and again, that this observer is impersonal, that there's no me, because I can't alter it. I can't turn it up or down. I certainly can't stop it. And what's seen is there is this light of consciousness. Consciousness is here spontaneously without being asked, without being sought. We didn't get up and pray this morning for the light of consciousness to, to turn itself on. There was no seeking. There's only finding, which is simply recognizing this eternal flame is forever lit. It's just that attention so habitually goes outward. We can't see the flame with the outward focus. We can only know it when we turn around, look inward. So we notice that this consciousness is just spontaneously here, now, alive, alert, awake, impersonal, and yet intimate. This light of consciousness is just shining because that's what it does.
And this can not only be known, but when it is known, it's known in an instant. It's known to have always been known. It's known that it's not new. It's just that it wasn't recognized for what it was. So it's not that there's a uh, discovery. It's a perhaps a rediscovery. That the light of consciousness is not only here and now unsought, it's always here, ongoingly. And there's not an us that has the light of consciousness. There's not two. We are the light of consciousness. If there were two, if there was an us who had as one of our many tricks, the light of consciousness, we could turn that light off. If there was an us that was came before the light of consciousness, that will be one of our many faculties. The light of consciousness does not arise in a us, in a me, in a you. This idea of a us or a me or a you arises in the light of consciousness. It's an object and it's not always there. And it certainly hasn't always been there. And this idea of a you or a me or an us, it's a very unstable concept as well. The self-concept, all concepts, arise in the light of consciousness, is seen by the light of consciousness. and is illuminated within this light of consciousness. The next progressive field of realization is when we realize that everything is this light of consciousness. It's not just in it. It's of it. It's not just within it. It's from it. And that's the manifest as the allness, as the capital S self. God's being shining through all.
and the final field of realization is the unmanifest, right? The first principle of God, which in some traditions they call the Godhead. That from which everything emanates, of which everything is made. The essence or substratum of all. Pre-manifestation. pre-coming into form. For many of us, just before our eyes are even open, mind's already going, reconstituting itself, claiming that it is primary. And there's a mixing up of the content and the context. Mind says, I am the content text and everything's arising in me and you have to get to work. But as we begin our days, getting in touch with our essence, we reset mind. and see it for what it is, which is content that arises in the ultimate context, which is the light of consciousness. So we begin the day by regaining sanity and perspective, by orienting to the real, that which is always here, the light of consciousness, awareness, the watcher, the experiencer, whichever level is available, recognition, even registering, even noticing something's registering the form allows us to start inching away from identification with content and back further to context. And it's by kind of establishing ourselves as that in which it all arises that allows us to take the rising and falling away of mind a whole lot less um, kind of, you know, seriously and in, in, this, in this way that imagines that we are at the effect of it, that we are the victim of it. 
it allows mind to do whatever mind does, but it allows for the play of mind because it's in its proper perspective. It's something temporary that arises in something permanent, us, the light of consciousness, awareness, the watcher, the constant ongoing impersonal witnessing. So the practice of being aware of awareness is as simple as re-familiarizing ourselves with reality, with what's permanent, with what's temporary, with what's always here and can be confirmed as such and what constantly comes and goes. The changeful, the illusion, because the illusion is that that's the real, that's the permanent. That's the stable, that's the constant. And it just doesn't take that long clockwise to sit and watch mind and see that there's nothing permanent, nothing constant, therefore nothing real as we use that term. Real meaning always in the same state, condition, all times, all places. absolutely changeless. So this is a little bit of uh, the beginning, the very beginning of Inner Ramana, commentary on mind. The mind is not constant. The concerns of the mind for one day may be completely different than the concerns for another. If all of the concerns for one day are written down, it may be seen that concerns and imagined solutions conflict with one another so that no true peace can be found with the mind. The solution of concerns creates new concerns. And so again, there is no peace with the mind. This is why one must step away from the mind to find peace. Peace cannot be found with the mind.
so we can just confirm for ourselves in our direct experience that we are what sees mind. We are the constant. Mind is the changeful. There's nothing less stable than a thought. And when it's watched thought after thought after thought, they just keep coming. And there's often no rhyme or reason. And as this last paragraph points out, the imagined solutions literally conflict with one another so that it is an impossibility to find peace with the mind. Can we confirm that in our own experience? Inner Ramana continues. This is why one must step away from the mind to find peace. Peace cannot be found with the mind. Stepping away from the mind is as simple as losing interest in it. When the mind chatters, it chatters because you are listening. As you lose interest in what it has to say, because you know its answers are not your answers. The chattering of mind shall fade away. So we're back to that essential question. What is it that we actually want? What's the true desire of our heart? So maybe we just bring to mind our spiritual aspiration, our values. The true desire that we find alive in our heart. Because there's nothing more clarifying than knowing what you want. to enliven the practice of letting go what we do not want. When we're clear about what we want, it's 
not difficult to, to choose what we don't want. It's only when that fades and there, it's imagined we're gonna lose something if we don't get our way. If, when the mind speaks, when we don't, when we aren't established in what we do want. Yeah. Sounds like, yeah, I'd like that. Matter of fact, I'd like it right now. As you lose interest in what it has to say, because you know its answers are not your answers, the chattering of mind shall fade away. You literally raise vibration by getting in touch with what you do want and keeping that in the forefront. It's just less attractive to get back down in it. So imagine that you need the world to show up some certain way today, to align with some preference burped up by mind based on some past conditioning. You know, demanding that the world meet our own self-will's intentions has never brought peace to anyone. That's the essence of clinging, right? The fixing energy. They gotta have it, gotta get it. And then we can juxtapose that with the light of consciousness, with awareness. Is there anything that awareness needs right now to be different, to be more, to be less? Can we feel into whether there is anything conditional about this light of consciousness? The ongoing observing, awareness, watching, experiencing. Does awareness need my way? Does awareness even conceive of my way? Does the light of consciousness ever push against what is in the seeming service of some idea of what could be, namely what isn't? Does it prefer what isn't over what is? Or is the light of consciousness, the empty master, the Tao points to, that lets be what is, let's go what goes, accepts what is, stays empty, open to being moved. By the unified field, 
by super consciousness. By that light of pure knowing that has an intelligence far, far beyond anything a backwards facing self-referencing I thought could generate. Stepping away from the mind is as simple as losing interest in it. When the mind chatters, it chatters because you are listening. As you lose interest in what it has to say, because you know its answers are not your answers, the chattering of mind shall fade away. So we need look no further than the space between the thoughts. And we just do a little experiment. We just wait for the next thought to come. And then notice when it leaves. Can we notice that there's a gap between thoughts? Can we put that bright spotlight of that inward attention on that mechanism of mind? 
recognize a thought and then notice that there's a, a pause or a gap between that and the next thought. Can we tune into what mind is saying right now? And can we notice that we notice both the movement of mind and the pause of the gap. When we notice both the mind chattering and then we notice the gap, in that moment, we're transcending mind. We're glimpsing the reality that we are the constant and mind is the temporary that we are the real and mind is the unreal it's a moment of transcendence can we recognize that that being registered, that being observed, witnessed. Can we notice the movement of mind, the chatter? Notice the content. Is it available to see it does not go on forever? It's not continuous. People say, my mind just won't stop talking. No, it will. Now, <laughs> the gaps may be short. <laughs> that, that, that may be true. It's not, can, can we all get a glimpse that it's not continuous?
Can we maybe get a sense of how long the gap is? It is, is it a second or two? Is it five seconds or 10 seconds? This is the alertness of the empty master. This is the ongoing opportunity for transcendence that a quote, busy mind offers. Can we notice whether there is still a fairly robust interest in the content of mind? In other words, are we still listening? Because what Inaramana says is when the mind chatters, it chatters because you are listening. As you lose interest in what it has to say, because you know its answers are not your answers, the chattering of mind shall fade away. And we just emphasis on the shall, because that's a promise. That's what always happens, will happen, shall happen. If we lose interest. And there's many techniques for losing interest. One of course is just to realize that it's jack shit crazy and it's always arguing with itself and it's terribly inconsistent and there's no peace. But a more kind of granular way to lose interest is to become more interested in the moments of transcendence, become more alert to the gaps energize those with our attention and claim those as moments of transcending. You just transcended mind. You're here, it's not. Once you've established that, when it comes back, you're here before it comes. You see it come. You're just waiting. Blah, 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 blah. And you're waiting for the gap again. To recognize that you are, we are. We are that which sees the form, the thought, which registers it, which recognizes that registering is happening, watches that recognition, 
is aware of it and eventually sees that as a, the observing happens, it's an impersonal observing. It's happening on its own. We know that because we cannot stop it. We don't turn observing on and off. We simply give it attention or let attention drift. Stepping away from the mind is as simple as losing interest in it. All right, so when we gain interest in the gap, it allows us to lose interest in the content. When the mind chatters, it chatters because you are listening. Can we recognize the times that we are actually listening? We're listening to every little word and kind of a little uh, invested in the grievance or invested in the story, invested in the, the linear content, the specific details and the emotionalized perception. And then can we choose to lose interest in what it has to say? Because we know its answers are not our answers. Trusting that as we do that, earnestly, honestly, consistently, the chattering of mind shall fade away. And that concludes our hour.